Across the deserts of Iraq, two famous rivers wind through the sand. They flow east for hundreds of miles from their start in the mountains of Turkey until about 120 miles before reaching the Persian Gulf, the Tigris and Euphrates join together, forming one river that empties into the sea. In the early days after the flood, it was near the Euphrates, where the whole land was well watered and farming was good, that those first pioneers built the Tower of Babel. Later, many people traveled west along the Tigris and Euphrates river valleys on their way to find new lands to live in after God confused the language of the builders and they left Babel behind. Some of those people built the city of Nineveh on the shores of the Tigris. Some turned south and came to live in Arabia, others on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea or along the banks of the Nile River. A different branch of the family of travelers kept going west across the mountains of Turkey and settled in Greece, their descendants perhaps traveling on to Italy and even Britain, while their cousins, another group from Babel, went north around the Black Sea and into Europe and Scandinavia. In one way or another, most of those families went west. But one group, rather than looking toward the setting sun, turned another way. Instead of following the Tigris and Euphrates, they found a different river, the Kurun. It's not as well known as the other two. It leads toward the north and the east, into a land of mountains. And it was into those hills and valleys that this other family traveled as they left Babel and ventured deeper into the wilds of Asia. This is Grandfathers of History, Part 4. For a while now, I've been working through the list of names in Genesis chapter 10 and following clues from history that connect those names with the nations and cultures around the world today. Beyond that, I've been looking into the legends and folklore people in those places remember to see if you find any details that sound like the history written in Genesis. This doesn't work perfectly. Names you find in Genesis changed over time. As for the stories that have been passed down, I mentioned some where details line up with the history in Genesis, but there are lots of other legends that don't sound like Genesis at all. Tales that might be memories of events Genesis doesn't record, or maybe stories that were made up, perhaps by people living long ago. With that in mind, at the start of this series, I talked about Ham's kids. They were the ones who went to settle in Arabia, along the shores of the Mediterranean Sea, and in Egypt. The next episodes traced Japheth's kids, some who went to Greece and maybe Rome and Britain, others who might have gone to Spain, and another branch who went to Europe and Scandinavia. Those stories followed some of the descendants of six of Japheth's seven sons. This episode turns the other way, and looks toward the people who moved from Babel into what is today Iran and India, and Southeast Asia, countries like Bangladesh, Laos, and Vietnam. Those are the pioneers who came to live between the Indian Ocean and the Himalayas. And at least the first of these families of settlers 
was descended from the one son of Japheth I haven't talked about yet, a son named Madai. Leaving Babel, Madai's family went north and east, toward the southern part of the Caspian Sea. Information about them shows up in the 800s BC, when the Assyrians mentioned that Madai still lived to the east, in what is today the country of Iran. Elsewhere, the Greeks called Madai's descendants the Medes. Iran isn't the easiest country to explore. It has mountains, canyons, deserts, and earthquakes. And around 1,500 years after the Medes moved to Iran, they came back. And they invaded and conquered Babel, then called Babylon, with their Persian allies. Both the Medes and their partners, the Persians, came from Iran. And until 1935, when it was changed, Iran was called Persia, even though that's really just the name of a southern part of the country. As for the people who long ago lived in Persia, the center of their religion was a belief in two gods who were on the opposite sides of a battle. The first god was a wise creator. He was good and made good things, including other gods who lived forever. On the other side of the struggle was an evil spirit and his army of evil beings. This spirit was often called deception, and he created darkness and suffering and various sins, and tries to harm those who were made by the good creator. In one place, the evil spirit is also described as looking like a log, and his body is compared to a lizard. Some of that story sounds like Genesis, and the conflict between a good God, who created humans, and Satan, who deceived them in the form of a serpent. Another story from their religion mentions a plant that will give eternal life and a reptile sent to destroy it. In that legend, the plant, called the White Heuma, grew in the sea, and everyone who ate from it lived forever. The evil spirit made a lizard to attack the tree, but it was guarded by other creatures sent from the Creator God. The Creator also put a version of this plant, called the Yellow Heuma, on earth, where it grew on the tops of mountains, and parts of it could be made into a drink that would cure disease. And that brings me to tales that are told of the first people in the world. To begin with, there is a being whose name means human life. According to the story, he existed as a spirit for thousands of years before being formed by the creator out of his sweat into the shape of a tall, white, shining 15-year-old. The evil spirit tried for 30 years to destroy this human until eventually he died from hunger and disease. His body turned into the minerals in the ground, and 40 years later, the first human couple were born. The story goes on to say that at the start, these first two humans looked like plants, but then they turned into the shape of regular people and were given a soul. The creator told them that they were made perfect and should follow him, keep the law, think, speak, and do good things, and he told them not to worship demons. The humans started out well, but then they allowed the spirit of deceit into their minds and thought that the evil spirit created the world and not the true creator. In doing this, the humans became wicked. The story goes on to tell how the two people first wore clothes made from plants, then used animal skins before learning how to weave cloth. Eventually, they had children and died at the age of 100. From being made perfect, to betraying the Creator, to wearing clothes made from plants and animal skins, 
it's not hard to see something of Adam and Eve in these Persian stories of the first two people. There's also another version of the story. In that legend, the first two people have different names, and the creator gives the man the job of increasing the number of creatures in the world and watching, guarding, and protecting them. That, too, sounds like Adam being told to tend and keep the Garden of Eden, and a memory of Adam and Eve both being told to be fruitful and multiply. Later on, the legend also tells about the man's first sin. There are several different versions of what that first sin was. This man either started thinking about or telling lies, or he gave people food that made them immortal, or he thought too highly of himself. Whatever the case was, the glory of godly light left him, so he had no way to defend himself against his enemies, and that allowed the man to be defeated by a serpent. If you keep looking through the story, you also find something that sounds like Noah. They say that this same first man ruled the world for hundreds of years, but because there was no death or disease, it kept getting full of people, and he had to make the world larger and larger using gifts from the Creator God. Eventually, that God told the man that a winter was coming, and he should build a large square home under the ground where he could keep two of every kind of people, animals, fire, food, and plants safe from the winter that was coming. Just like with the first people, that's not the only story of a flood. In another legend, supposedly from a time before people lived on the earth, the world was full of evil beings. A god came down from heaven and made it rain for a total of 30 days and 30 nights. The water got so deep that it was as tall as a man, all around the world. The poisonous creatures died, and finally a wind came and blew the water off the land and formed the ocean. With all these parallels, some people argue that the stories in Genesis originally came from Persia, or, since the Persian records only go back so far, that the Persian stories were influenced by Jews and Christians. And it's true, about 2,500 years ago, Jews did live for a while in Babylon and in other parts of the Persian Empire. So, if you're skeptical, if these stories from Persia sound too much like Genesis, head further east to find the legends of the people who settled in India. The people in India were probably more of Madai's descendants. I imagine them traveling and seeing for the first time some of the foothills of the Himalayas. There's one story in the north of India about how a lake used to fill a mountain valley in the region of the Kashmir, until a god pierced the floor of the lake and drained the water away. This may only be a story, but it makes me wonder about where that story came from. Was it just invented long ago, or is there some memory in there? Perhaps of something the first explorers of India saw in those years just after the flood. The water during the flood was higher than the mountains, and maybe this Kashmir Valley trapped some of those floodwaters, and the people venturing into that part of the world saw this lake high up in the mountains. And then, maybe after an earthquake, they saw the lake drain away and the water disappear. It's interesting to imagine. We don't know who first lived in India, but their stories show that they had some connection to people in Iran, 
because many of the legends are similar to what you find there, even down to the names sounding alike. In Iran, Yima and Yamaka were the first people. In India, it's Yama and Yami. In Iran, there's the Hayuma plant that prevented illnesses. In India, it's the Soma plant. Beyond the similarities, though, there are a lot of other stories in India that you don't find in Iran. Some are oral traditions, some were written down. To begin, before the world was created, there was only water, with a god floating on a lotus. As for the first people, in one version, the first man was also the first to die. And while not a god, he was king of the dead. That gives Yama a lot of similarities to Adam. Serpents come up in legends from India, too. There are a lot of snakes in India. If just the venomous ones bit you, and a different kind of venomous snake bit you each day, you would have a fresh bite every morning for nearly two months before you'd been bitten by them all. With that many serpents slithering about, it's not surprising to find snakes in their stories. Stories that describe a whole population of serpent people who could take human form, had gems in their heads, and were violent and poisonous, but who also had a drink that let you live forever. The links to snakes don't end there. In the story of Buddha, he is said to have gained enlightenment while sitting under a tree in the company of a snake that sheltered him from a storm. There's at least one story of forbidden fruit in India, too. A farmer, whose name means Great God, planted seven garden plots and told his wife she could eat what grew in the first six gardens, but not in the seventh. His wife ate from the one she was supposed to leave alone and became pregnant, ultimately having many children and populating the world. Beyond the memories from Eden, India also has stories of a flood. In one legend, going back 2,400 years or more, a fish comes to Manu, a son of the sun god, and asks him to care for it. The fish promises that if Manu helps, then it will save him from a flood. Manu takes care of the fish, which grows very large, and he lets it go into the sea. Before leaving, the fish tells Manu when the flood is coming, and that he needs to build a boat. Manu follows the fish's directions, builds the ship, and boards it. The fish shows up, Manu ties a rope to it, and the fish tows the ship north. When the water goes down, the boat lands on a mountain. No one but Manu is left alive. He prays and offers a sacrifice, and a woman appears, and they repopulate the world. Think of all the things in that story that sound like what happened to Noah. From the ship, to landing on a mountain, to the sacrifice that comes afterward. That's just one story, though, and there are others. In another one, a god sends a flood, and two children survive inside a hollow log. The flood goes on for 12 years, until two birds find the log floating on the water. They tell the god that the children only have three days of food left, and he ends the flood, and raises the children to be the parents of all the people in the world. Yet another flood story says that the first people in the world were made by God from dust. But they turned evil and wouldn't clean themselves or work, but only sang and danced. So the God destroyed them with a stream of fire rain from heaven, and only a brother and sister survived by hiding under a tree. At the end of the flood, the God created a snake, 
that turned into the shape of a rainbow to block the rain. Finally, there's a legend about how the world was level until a water demon flooded it to chase a woman he loved who was running away from him. Eventually, everyone was stuck on the top of one hill. The people then threw the woman into the water, and the flood drained away, creating all the mountains and valleys. As for what happened after the flood, there's a story that sounds like the Tower of Babel, too. It doesn't talk about how the languages were confused, but it does say that long ago, demons tried to build a fire altar up to the sky, but the god Indra pulled a brick out of it, causing it to collapse to keep the demons from being more important than the gods. There aren't any more stories after Babel. Before that point, everyone's history was the same. After Babel, each family's story was different. But while their histories went different ways, there is a clue that they remembered they were from the same family. I said earlier that people in India probably came from Iran, and people in Iran were likely descendants of Madai, one of Japheth's sons. That makes people in India Japheth's descendants too, and one of the early creator gods of those descendants is named Prajapati. It's a name that means Lord of Creatures or Lord of Offspring. And I wonder if Prajapati is a memory of Japheth, the father of them all. Moving past India, people would have come to Bangladesh. While it's hard to know what the weather was like in those years right after the flood, Today, Bangladesh gets lots of rain. Some parts of it might see only five feet or so. Other areas of the country get more than 20 feet of rain in a year. Imagine rain covering most of a two-story building every year. And that's not the only extreme weather Bangladesh faces. It also sees cyclones that wash ashore, bringing storm surges of ocean water. And even that's not all. With cold air pouring down from the Himalayas, colliding with warm air surging up from the Indian Ocean, Bangladesh is one of the likeliest places in the world to see a tornado. Imagine the first people coming out of India. Picture some place where they get a view of the land before them. It's green and lush. And then they see the towering clouds, those thunderheads. They watch lightning strike the ground, and they hear the howl as a tornado twists down from the bottom of the clouds. It touches the ground, snapping trees or pulling them up by their roots. It carries dirt and branches for miles before retreating back up into the clouds. Imagine being the first to see that, to wonder what it was and what caused it, to wonder how often it happened. The weather in Bangladesh, whatever it was long ago, didn't stop people from settling there and continuing further into the countries of Southeast Asia. These places don't have much in terms of ancient writings. Instead, what's survived of their history is found in the stories that they remember and pass down father to son. I've already told some oral traditions in this episode, and it might be tempting to ignore them. Without ancient documents to prove how old the legends are or whether they've changed, we don't know if the stories people tell today go back a few months or a few thousand years. Even if the stories are old, they might have changed so much over time that the original version is lost. The oral traditions we have today were probably only written down in the last few hundred years, and the details may have been recorded incorrectly or changed on purpose. For stories that sound like the history in Genesis, 
we don't know if those legends are remembered from long ago or just stories from Genesis that locals added to their own folklore at some point. With all these unknowns, it might be tempting to ignore oral traditions. But then again, maybe these stories deserve more credit. Starting in Bangladesh, you hear a story that tells of the first people and how they sinned. Initially, they hatch from eggs, and the people live in peace and without shame. Then the chief spirit comes and tells them they are missing out on something, and teaches them to make alcohol. He instructs the people to pour some of the alcohol out as a gift to him. The two people obey, get drunk, and lie down together. The next day, the spirit asks where they are, and they confess that they are ashamed and naked and have done something bad. The spirit smiles and goes away, leaving the people to make clothes for themselves out of ficus leaves. The story then goes on to tell of a flood. The first people have children, the children turn evil, and the creator God plans to destroy the world. He takes two people and puts them in a cave on Mount Harata. Then, for seven days, sky rain or fire rain comes down and kills all the people and animals. The two people left come out of the cave and live at the bottom of the mountain and have lots of children. They live there a long time before moving to a large plain where everyone divides into different groups. I can see why you'd dismiss that story. It sounds too much like Genesis. It's got a first sin, leaves for clothes, the world being destroyed, and people dividing into small groups after living together on a plane. And from there, the legend goes on to tell the story of just one of those small groups as they migrated away from that plane, just like the history you'd expect as world history became the story of one tribe trying to find its place in the world. This legend was recorded in 1871 by a Norwegian missionary who wrote down what a tribal guru recited. And the missionary also noted that the legend is told twice as part of the life of every person in the tribe. First, when that person becomes old enough to be a part of society, and then for a second time at their funeral. So you can imagine everyone in the tribe hearing these stories over and over throughout their lives, the repetition etching the details into their memories, and, I would think, making it hard to change them. In another story, people who live on the islands in the Bay of Bengal, off India's east coast, say that God first created a tall, black, bearded man. The first woman arrived by a variety of legends, and the two of them became the parents of two boys and two girls. The first man lived to be very old, and had so many descendants that he gave them supplies and sent them to spread out, and as they spread out, God gave them different languages. After the death of the first two people, their descendants stopped obeying the commands of the Creator, so he flooded the whole world, except, in some versions, the one mountain where the Creator himself lived. Everything in the world died, except for four people, two men and two women, who happened to be in a canoe when the flood came. When the flood went away, the god created things again. The survivors of the flood plotted to kill the creator, but he comes and warns them not to, then explains that the flood came because they didn't obey him. The people telling this story say that this is the last time the creator ever talked to people. After that, the population grew again. People spread out, and they took different names and learned other languages. 
Think about that memory. From the first people to a flood to rebelling against God again, and remembering a God talking to the survivors of a flood, but never being seen again. If that was the story that these islanders had gotten from Christian missionaries, why would the legend stop there? Wouldn't later stories from the missionaries have made it into their history too? Going on past Bangladesh, you get into Southeast Asia, and it has a whole collection of stories. For creation, one tribe describes heaven and earth forming out of a cloud or fog before various monsters and spirits appear. As for the first sin, one tribe tells of nine beings who came down from the sky and lived on earth. Over time, they began to eat a kind of rice that cooked itself, and they became too heavy to go back up into the sky. Later on, they had to work to survive and started committing crimes. In another version, men once lived forever, but they made the sun spirit angry and the animals broke into their garden. The birds ate the fruit from the plant of life, the cattle ate the leaves, and the hogs ate the roots, leaving nothing of the plant of life for people. It's not quite a forbidden fruit story, but another legend tells of a creator spirit who found the first beings in the world and made them the grandparents of mankind. He gave them gourds to eat, and the story doesn't say that the first two people weren't supposed to eat the gourds, but evidently eating them brought both passion and death into the world. There are also flood stories that you find here. One tribe talks about how a brother and sister saved themselves in a large boat. As the flood went on, they would throw out a needle to see if it hit solid ground, and a rooster to see if it would crow, so that they knew whether the water level was dropping. Finally, with their last rooster and needle, they heard the needle hit the ground and the rooster crow, and they came out of the boat, with the sister becoming the mother of all people on earth. In another tale, the Shan people recall that their ancestors didn't offer sacrifices to the gods, and that made the storm god so mad that he sent the god of streams and creatures that live in the water to warn a wise man that a flood was coming. The man built a raft but wasn't allowed to warn anyone else, and the flood killed everyone. Eventually, the man was instructed to plant the seed of a gourd, which turned into a vine and grew more gourds, with people, animals, and plants hatching out of them and repopulating the world. Another version of the story has seven men and seven women, who were better than the other people in the world, survive the flood by using a giant hollowed-out gourd as a boat. After the flood, those people became the ancestors of everyone in the world today. In northwest Vietnam, they say a brother and sister survived a flood in a sealed drum while everyone else died. After the flood, they became the mother and father of all people in the world. There are lots of flood stories. One tribe claims that the ground is just a thin skin of land over an ocean of water, and long ago, before the creation of the sun, when the whole world was still dark, a god put a man and woman inside a ship made of a certain kind of wood. The top of the ship was covered, without any hole or window. The god then broke the skin of land, letting loose the water so everyone else in the world drowned. After the flood, the man and woman had to chew their way out of the ship when it came to rest, and later became the parents of mankind. And finally, a tribe that lives in the south part of Vietnam has a story of a brother and sister who survived a flood that lasted for seven days and seven nights by being shut tightly inside a large chest. The flood killed everyone else, but the brother and sister, and pairs of animals they had brought with them, survived. 
Finally, after a week, they heard a rooster outside and opened the lid on the chest and came out. After the flood, stories of how the different languages came to be also show up in Southeast Asia. One legend refers back to a time when people descended from someone named Ram, who are described as mighty men and giants, weren't content to just control the earth, but wanted to control heaven too. To do that, they began to build a tower. The tower got high enough that the gods and demons were afraid the people would succeed, so they came and changed everyone's language and spread them out around the world. Another story refers back to a time when they say everyone once spoke the same language. During a meeting of a great council, they decided to get rid of the phases of the moon and make it shine all the time instead. To do that, they built a tower to reach the moon. Eventually, the tower got so high it took days to climb up and down, so people started to live and eat on different floors of the tower. Over time, those living on different floors started to act different too. Finally, as the tower was almost finished, the moon got angry and sent a storm that knocked it over, scattering the people across the world, with the tower itself crashing to the ground and becoming a chain of mountains. From Iran and India to these countries and tribes in Southeast Asia, people tell all these stories of what the world used to be. The legends are different, there's lots of variation, but I noticed the details. Imagine visiting a town you've never been to before. You don't know anyone there. Then you see a person wearing bright blue shoes and a red shirt passing you on the sidewalk. You don't think much of it. People wear lots of different clothes. Then you keep walking, and five minutes later, someone who looks completely different, different eyes, hair, height, weight, this other person comes around the corner, and they're wearing bright blue shoes and a red shirt. It's a coincidence. You don't think much of it. But a moment later, another person comes, and another. At some point, I'd think you'd begin to wonder if there was a tour group or a school dress code where everyone wore bright blue shoes and a red shirt. Because even though the people look different, the details that are the same start to stand out. It's the same way with these stories. The stories are different, people hatching from eggs, surviving floods in a gourd, building towers to stop the phases of the moon. But even with all those differences, there are these little details that stand out. People rebel against their creator, they eat things they shouldn't. There's a great flood and only a few people survive. There are all these coincidences. And when there get to be lots of coincidences, you have to wonder if they aren't coincidences at all. Maybe they're foggy memories of history. But there's always room for doubt. It's easy to dismiss the oral traditions from Southeast Asia. Those might come from people remembering bits of the Bible they heard from Christian missionaries. As for legends from Iran, they have so much in common with the history in Genesis that maybe it's just because the Jews lived in Iran for a while. The stories in India might be even older than those in Iran, but the Persians ruled parts of India, and traders or merchants spreading out from their homes in the Middle East probably traveled there. Going to India or beyond to the people of Laos and Vietnam is just a long walk from places where Genesis was written. I'm not saying that these are good arguments, just that you can't prove these stories are genuine. There's room for skepticism, room for doubt. It's helpful, then, that the legends don't end in Southeast Asia. 
While lots of people turned east from Babel and settled in warm jungles and grasslands along the shores of the Indian Ocean, another group traveled beyond the Himalayas. They went to a place of wild animals, of deserts, of rivers. They went to the lands of the north. For a long time, I tried to fit legends from all of Asia into this episode, but eventually I gave in and stopped with only the stories from people south of the Himalayas. Now, with Southern Asia done, the adventures and memories of their neighbors to the north comes next. Until then, if you want to learn more about what we know from the people who left Babel and explored and settled along the shores of the Indian Ocean, WiderBible.com has references and links to help you dig deeper. The website also has articles on other topics, as well as a place for you to ask questions and a page where you can subscribe if you want to know when something new comes out. I'm Adam Schull. Thanks for listening.